0: They may sound nuts, so do the Wright brothers. Now... Here's Flieger and Briggs. Oh, the joys of live radio. So if you were already listening live, you're hearing the beginning of this show again as unfortunately it seemed like something knocked the board out. It looks like some of you may have been hearing Mr. Briggs remotely, but you weren't hearing me in the studio and then the whole thing sort of dropped out. So what we're going to do, we're just going to start all over again, pretend that didn't happen. Like the rest of the world, just that 11 minutes, 12 minutes is just going to have been lost and and, uh, we'll do it again. We probably won't talk about the same thing for the for the eight and a half people who are listening live, <laughs> Rick. But we can. Uh, but if this is the first time you're hearing it over here on uh, on SoundCloud and otherwise, welcome into it's just sports here on the Twelve Ounce Sports Network. Check out everything at Twelve Ounce Sports Network at Twelve OC Sports on Twitter, and you follow us at Asylum Football on t- Twitter and It's Just Sports one two three at Gmail uh, Rick, do do I still have you now? The gremlins in the system today.
1: Oh yeah, you still have me. And for those of you that did catch my audio part live, congratulations, <laughs> because that was radio gold that will never happen again.
0: That'll be known as the lost tapes where Rick having a one-sided conversation with himself. <laughs> so,
1: and, and it was a good one too. Yeah. It was, um, you know, maybe we can record that and put it on some bonus coverage somewhere. But uh, we were actually covering the the NHL controversy about having the draft uh, before the season was finished and how it would affect some of the deals, backdoor deals through trades that were made in the previous years. And it could be really significant. So um, that's something we'll have to revisit here once the decision is actually made.
0: Yeah, to get back to that, to wrap it up for anybody who was listening live and if they stuck with us through the couple minutes of silence till, till we got rebooted here – What I do find strange with this, and it almost has to be about this trade market. Well, no, it doesn't. I guess I don't understand. This is a very NHL thing, I think. Of all the sports, why would the NHL be worried about getting their draft in now look the NFL you certainly understand why they had to get it in right it's their probably after the Super Bowl I'm, this is can't be true but it feels like it especially this year like their second biggest event you know what I mean this is major TV the NBA draft does a good number other than baseball which gets no coverage who watches have you ever watched an NHL draft I don't even know the NHL network may air it I've never watched one what do they care They draft the day before the season starts. It's not like you're losing any revenue there.
1: No, it's one of those drafts that, like, when I can remember when Sidney Crosby was drafted, like, in 05, where Mario, I believe, was 84 or 85. You remember a few of those picks, where they went. The pick, yeah. Yeah, you're you're even maybe the top five or six. But after that, it's kind of like, Okay, Sergey Petrograf, he went to (laughs) Buffalo, great. You know, we'll see how he turns out, but it's not like anything I could care less about, you know, watching on television.
0: No, so it's kind of interesting. They would take that hard line of all sports, really. Again, the NFL I get, the NBA I get. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So let's spin it back to the NFL, Rick. Big news over the weekend is Andy Dalton signs with Dallas, not with uh, Jacksonville and not with New England as most people, myself included, predicted that have been, he'd have been in one of those two places. Going to go back up Dak Prescott in uh, in Dallas, uh, what, one year, $3 million with bonuses up to $7 million. I don't think there's any doubt fantastic for Dallas, right? You talk about a great if you gotta go on a five or six game stretch with a backup quarterback, you can do a whole heck of a lot worse. Than a yep. guy like Andy Dalton. What I'm surprised by is the national narrative. And you see it all over social media, all over the networks. Maybe it's just because there's nothing else going on and we're trying to make more of it as it is. But that this signing says something about Dak Prescott and getting his getting his deal done. That that can't be, right? There's just no way.
1: No, I I can't see that at all. Well, I agree with you. I think it's a Splendid move for the Cowboys. It's a great move for Andy Dalton, who is now on a legitimately a team that has some really aspirations of being able to go deep into the playoffs and not to the Super Bowl. What I think this does realistically for Dak Prescott is give him, it gives him, look, I know he's been in the league and he's actually been thrown up there with some of the the superstar names, but this is going to give him a very important mouthpiece or or earpiece, however you want to do it, a a mentor. I mean, this this guy's been around, like you said, Andy Dalton, you could do a lot worse as as a backup. And, I mean, he wasn't – he was on a a starter on a crummy team for years. And I think this is only going to benefit Dak Prescott – through Dalton's experience and just talking and and talking about coverages and this, that, and the other, and people's habits, what have you. Just a brilliant move, I think. This doesn't say anything that the Cowboys don't like Dak Prescott, but I think they're looking, you know, realistically, maybe they want to see Dak go to that next level a little bit. He's probably already better than Andy Dalton. But there's something about experience and knowledge. I mean, just because you're not the most talented guy in the world, you know, look at most of the coaches. They were never Hall of Fame players, but they know the the game. And this is a great move the whole way around as far as I look oh yeah
0: absolutely from that but it, like I said it's funny the narrative that you know now they've got their
1: backup plan and their dag they're not because gonna because all give- they want to do is start something yeah, yeah. all that seems to be the culture of of media so, i mean we say social media but it, it's just the media in general anymore they throw something out there and see what they can get going
0: right yeah and it's I mean, it's just nonsense. Look, they're going to get a deal done. There's no doubt they're going to get a deal done. As great of a backup as Andy Dalton's going to be and as good of a starter as he could have been in some places, Chicago perhaps, I'd take him over Nick Foles and certainly over Trubisky, who we'll get into in a minute here. But nobody believes for a second that Andy Dalton is competition for Dak Prescott, and if you believe that, you're a fool, and if you think Andy Dalton gives the Cowboys a better chance to win than Dak Prescott, again, you're a fool, that's a foolish thing to say, so you can push that, what's really interesting, Rick, after for so many years, so many, as long as I can remember, there was maybe 10 or 12 quarterbacks in the league, you could sort of trust now. You look around the league this year, Rick, you've got Jameis Winston in a backup role. You've got Andy Dalton in a backup role. You're going to have Cam Newton in a backup role. There's actually a glut of quarterback, not great quarterbacks. Those are still very rare, but there's a glut of in most years, Andy Dalton would have gotten paid like Matt Stafford did just because there'd be six teams so desperate for his services, Competent starting quarterback services and that's just not the case this
1: year no and you know Tannehill wasn't a great example as a backup I think they were kind of on the outs with Marcus Mariota I use him as an example but okay let, let you pull in Teddy Bridgewater he'd come back from that injury but here's a guy that has some experience had played you look at Kansas City um you know Matt Moore, when, when Mahomes is out for a couple of games, not that flashy quarterback, but he's a veteran, he's smart, he knows what to do. And in contrast, you look at the Pittsburgh situation. I think teams sit here and think, you know what, we can get Andy Dalton for $3 bucks. hop aboard. I mean, that is a smart move. Chicago did the same thing, bringing in Nick Foles, maybe not your favorite guy. But he certainly has proven himself in a backup role, which I think he's going to be the starter. They, you know, like we said about Mitch Trubisky, will get into him not picking up that fifth year option. So, I mean, they're on the outs with him and making plans. So, yeah, I mean, but you're right. It, it is, seems to be, and Cam Newton, who knows where he's going. Every, everybody's kind of like hands off, like this guy's a hot potato right now. And they're not. And and I don't blame them. We you, you know I've never been a real Cam Newton fan. This guy's not going to come cheap, I don't think. Like Andy Dalton is, and at least to start with. And I think people know that he's going to be a last resort signing. I believe.
0: Yeah, it's starting to look that way, right? Where somebody uh, a Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, I, I don't. It doesn't matter. You know, teams without a solid backup. You know, we'll, we'll Jacksonville? use this. Probably, yeah, yeah, those those kind of teams. But that guy's going to have to go down and camp early in the year, and then you see Cam Newton get that call. I I think the problem with Cam Newton, I've been thinking a lot about this because, you know, just not knowing anything about personality or anything, if, you know, if I was sitting there making the decision between Jameis Winston and Cam Newton, Cam Newton was the MVP of this league not all that long ago but i think i don't want to say it's ego you know i i don't necessarily know that we know he doesn't handle losing well we we know he wears great hats you know all the things we know about cam newton but i think he does what have great hats. what he what's either if that doesn't happen where he just sits and rots on the vine until a starting quarterback goes down I think he needs to be, and we need to start looking at situations very similar to the Jameis Winston thing. Look, if you're Jacksonville, if you're Washington, his name keeps coming up there with Ron Rivera being there, if you're you know, any number of those those teams where you haven't established at least a someone you have said is going to be your starting quarterback, but there's some question marks there and you got Cam Newton in the background, this becomes a big distraction, right? Cam Newton believes he should start. Probably half the fan, half your fan base is going to think he should start over whoever you have. Half the media is going to think that. He's a very polarizing guy. He needs to step in behind a Ben Roethlisberger the way Jameis Winston stepped in behind a Drew Brees. There's nobody going to be beating a drum for Jameis Winston to start over Drew Brees unless he has some five-game in a row clunker that, that he's never had in his career, you know, go to a Seattle, go to a Kansas city, somewhere where there is an established, no doubt or first, nothing Cam Newton can do outside of, you know, going all Tanya Hardy, Nancy Kerrigan on the starting quarterback's <laughs> knees. We are not even going to have this discussion. He has a good year, makes a little money. You know, we see the markets now between what James got a million Dalton got three. So somewhere there's your range. That's what you're going to have to take. Be a good teammate. Now you're looking for another starting gig next year. That's what, I think those are the places we need to start looking. He ain't going to New England. New England's they've made it abundantly clear now. Stidham's the guy, and we'll see if Belichick's right. Far be it for me to question Belichick on on matters such as that. But we got to still look at, stop looking at this team, these teams where he can go and start. And if he signs before somebody goes down, it's going to have to be behind an established number one stud. Go up a, What I hope happens is Lafleur brings him in in Green Bay, and then we just have a vortex explosion <laughs> up in Green yeah. Bay with all the
1: quarterbacks there. That that would be good. But you know, while we're on the subject of the NFL, and you know, it was just today that you know we heard about the passing of. Former NFL, you know, former NFL coach. How about the winningest coach in NFL history, Don Shula, at the age of ninety? You know, we talk about the Belichick's and, and this, that, and the other, and, and Lombardi's and so forth. Here, here's a guy that coached in the NFL for thirty three years, had thirty one winning seasons. That's pretty, that's pretty good, pretty, I think. <laughs> I'd say that's pretty good. Do you know what? So,
0: say something awful. Well, I saw it trending on Twitter this morning. I swear to God, Rick, I had in my head that he would already passed away. I don't know where I got that from, if they'd announced a while back he was sick or something. I was like, why are we talking about this now? And then it turns out it had just happened then. So I felt like kind of a stooge for for that.
1: Well, yeah, I knew he had some, some health problems, but I hadn't heard anything that it was very serious. Um, but, you know, he always was you know, more or less a low profile type of guy. And um, you know, I, I don't know really what it was. I assume it was just natural causes. It wasn't COVID nineteen or any of that kind of thing, from what I understand. But um, you know, the last NFL coach of an undefeated team and, you know, sorely missed.
0: Yeah, no no doubt about it. And a name that kind of gets looked over too much, right? When it And it seems to always revolve around Belichick conversation, right? You know, mm-hmm. look, Belichick's probably the best coach ever, somebody says, and that's what they say. He's right up there with Lombardi, with Bill Walsh. It, the People forget Don Shula an awful lot for as successful as
1: that man was in his career. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the man won three Super Bowls, two with Miami and one with Baltimore. Uh, and so one of – few coaches i don't know how many there are without really having to go look but there's not that many coaches that have won more than one no nah, nah, it's, it's a little harder than it looks i think yeah i mean you what you have lombardi you have shula noel um obviously belichick and tomlin went too. no nah, he only won one No, yeah, he's only won one yes yeah, so, i mean <laughs> oh and of course walsh yeah um but yeah, not many. I, Jimmy we, we Johnson, he's got a couple, right? Yeah, I guess he won two with Dallas. You're right, and probably Reeves with Denver.
0: Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, they got those two could've... in a row. Yeah, was it yeah. still
1: Reeves? Uh, probably. I think, but I'm I couldn't swear to it. But anyway, yeah. not that many. All right, and uh, yeah. Good coach. Let's let's just leave it at yeah, that.
0: Yeah, yeah, not, not a whole lot you can say. So let's go back to the quarterback position, Rick. We've mentioned it a couple times. The Bears already electing not to pick up that 50-year option on Mitch Trubisky. This is one that, boy, it's just going to haunt an organization for a long time when you trade it up unnecessarily to get him and the next two quarterbacks take and we're named Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson –
1: you're right bad
0: bad tidings in uh chicago <laughs> right now
1: yeah it really is and you look you have to really scratch your head on that one because i mean that was a head scratcher even when they made the move and it wasn't so much saying why they move up to get you know why did they you know bypass mahomes you know, I mean, Jackson was in the conversation. I don't remember a whole t- lot of talk about Mahomes during that. But then, just moving up, then to take Trubisky when, you know, he was going to be there anyway. Right. Yeah. Was the whole was the whole narrative.
0: What I'm curious to see when he when he ends up somewhere else and in, in situation will mean everything. Boy, he's so big. He's so talented. He's obviously inaccurate. But there's something about Chicago, Rick. I mean, they had Jim McMahon for, what, an hour and a half. And that was the last thing they had as a reasonable facsimile of an NFL quarterback. And you have to go back to, I don't know, Rick, name some guy in the 50s or 60s who was a great quarterback, you know, since then. I do not want, know why that team cannot run down a quarterback.
1: I know. You just can't really think in the modern era of any good Chicago quarterback, really. Uh, Yeah, Jim McMahon won the Super Bowl, but you kind of lump him in there with Trent Dilfer. Um, Right, exactly. Not taking anything away from them. They they played good enough, but let's face it. These were defensive juggernauts that it would take uh, a heck of a, a poor performance to blow that game. That's for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know why they can't seem to find a quarterback. It's certainly you can blame it on the scouting system, but this isn't the same scouts that have been around since the 70s. I mean, surely they can hire somebody that can recognize them quarterback talent.
0: They brought in defensive minds at coaches. They brought in offensive minds at coach, and they they just can't (laughs) seem to hit on it. But this really becomes about, as always, scheme fit. You know, horses for courses. I think they say, if I have that right. right. So, I just wonder, and we'll never know. So it's fun. We can speculate. Nobody could say we're wrong. What would have happened? if they traded up and they took Patrick Mahomes and Mitch Trubisky went to Andy Reid in, in Kansas City. You know, he obviously doesn't play the same type of game Mahomes does, but what are we saying about Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is not doing what he's doing now if he goes to Chicago. He may still be a great quarterback because that type of talent, even in a bad offense, would shine through. But he'd be nowhere near what he is now, and I'd love to know what Mitch Trubisky would do under the tutelage of an Andy Reid.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would be – very interesting i mean he's not going to be as talented that's for sure and uh yeah just getting to your kind of getting to your little thing here i pulled up some stuff we have let's go back to i guess the most notable chicago bear quarterback would have been 19 last one would have been 1954 with george blanda <laughs> we gotta go and, back that far <laughs> But let's go up to uh, we're going to start we're going to start in 1976. I'm going to name you every starting quarterback. All
0: right, you won't be able to hear him, Rick, but I'm going to hit the sound effects here, my dinger, my buzzer. Okay, so I'll listeners. give you a
1: little I'll give you a little pause. All right. 76 to 78, Bob Avellini. <laughs> He was taken over in 78, and he quarterbacked some of 79, Mike Phipps, replaced by Vince Evans. Then we got to Jim McMahon era, and he was backed up by Mike Tomczak, so that was probably the best situation. Then they were followed up by Jim Harbaugh. In uh, the ninety through ninety-three. Then we have a real run of Steve Walsh, Eric Kramer, Dave Craig, and then Shane Matthews in ninety-nine. Um Jake Cutler. Was at best. So I would never let him catch a game winner on. Hom- which he did have some decent years. We can't forget Sexy Rexy Grossman and Kyle Orton years. Yeah, Sexy Rexy took him to a Super Bowl for God's sake. right. Exactly, and you know that's been about it. There's been some other guys in there: Craig Krenzel, Cordell Stewart, latter part of his career, Jim Miller, Cade McNown, on and on. But yeah, you're right. It's just it just doesn't get real good past the Jim McMahon, you know, Jay Culler years at all.
0: Yeah, and I hope Trubisky gets an opportunity somewhere with some type of competent franchise because it's just – He's too big. He's too fast. He's too talented to be. Well, I say that. How many quarterbacks have that? You know, first overall quarterbacks that, that been true. But boy, he may it really be one f- of those
1: great backups somewhere along the be. line.
0: Well, and that's the thing. If he's willing to do that, he'll he'll go on. and He'll make 150 million dollars in his career, and he'll never have to take another hit outside of practice. So, no, not a bad gig if you can get it. Exactly. So, speaking of quarterbacks, last thing, and we can move off of this, but big news, and if you're not in western Pennsylvania, and I assume none of you are in the Pittsburgh area, the big news locally is everybody angry that Jameis Winston signs for essentially, you know, after the signing bonus, less than a million dollars a year. And I I like to think, Rick, I was the, the headwaters on this one. I was screaming for the Steelers to bring in Jameis Winston before last season ended, I, I was already there, assuming he wasn't going to be back. A lot of media, a lot of folks in Pittsburgh, you know, not they didn't get it from me, but they kind of caught on after the fact a little bit. And then when you see him go for that low amount, they thought, oh, he could have definitely been here, been the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. But boy, some of the national, and it's good, getting real crazy now. Where Adam Shine, for whatever reason, I don't know what Big Ben did to Adam Shine, just crushing him crushing the Steelers organization. The narrative is, again, because we had all that narrative where before Antonio Brown went completely insane, before everybody realized it, they were blaming the breakdown of that relationship on Ben Roethlisberger. Now everyone's saying you know, he quit on the team last year. He could have come back with that elbow. And now, oh, he's never going to be the same again. The Steelers should have drafted a quarterback, should have signed Jameis Winston, should sign Cam Newton. Rick, I'm just trying to figure out why in the world does the national media, especially, hate Ben Roethlisberger so much? I, I can't put my finger on it.
1: Well, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, you recall, early in his career, really didn't endear himself to a lot of people. Well, yeah. Uh, let's let's face facts, and, and deservedly so, with some of his off-field activities, accusations, et cetera. Um. He's he's still not a very personable guy. I mean, look, we're still blocked from him on Twitter, and we've never, <laughs> never even attempted to tweet the guy. I
0: forgot when they yeah. did that. They just went around and blocked
1: every blog yeah, in the country. So, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I mean, there's a certain aspect of Ben Roethlisberger that rubs people the wrong way. And somehow I don't blame them in a lot of aspects, but to – just make up stuff like he'll never be the same. He'll he quit on his team. Well, if you've ever paid attention to Pittsburgh sports, we know Ben Roethlisberger didn't quit on the team. Right. And to say that he will never be the same. Look, this is a guy that's 38 years old. He just took a year off and got some reconstructive surgery on his elbow. Not only is the elbow now going to be stronger, because he took all that time off and didn't force himself back, the rest of the dings and and bangs in his bodies have healed up. And to say that he will never be the same, if the elbow's not 100%, that could be right. But if they fixed it, he's going to be better than he was in the last couple of years. And I think it's all up to – the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, to put the tools around him. And I think he's got enough pieces. Um, I really wish that the running game, to me, is, is kind of suspect as far as the durability of Connors, obviously. Benny Snell isn't getting a lot of love, even though he, the man runs hard um, and, and he has a, a nasty attitude. Jalen Samuels is underwhelming to me. But, you know, Juju, he loves Juju. We You know, we saw the emergence of DeAndre Johnson. Um, hopefully, they don't bring back um, – who am I missing? At the wide In, receiver? Yeah. Who am I missing?
0: Well, you still have the kid from oh, Oklahoma State. yeah, James State. Washington. Yeah. yeah,
1: James Washington improved. I'm sorry. Yeah, I blanked on his name. But, yeah, I mean, I think that core is okay. So, um I don't know. I, I don't know where the vitriol comes from, other than his past, and they just don't like him. Yeah, with, which I said is understandable, but it's certainly not fair journalism by any stretch. You know, it's well, opinion. It's opinion is what it is. Right. What's weird with that?
0: You know, and it always comes to that from the fans, especially if you ever see a tweet about Ben Roethlisberger. The first 25 comments are from a Bengals, Browns, or Ravens fan calling him Rapeless Burger. And I got to be honest, I don't know if it's because I'm a Steeler fan. Maybe I'm I'm an insensitive type. It's not something all these years later that really even pops in my head about him. You know, he kind of had, after that motorcycle accident, which was after the previous incident, you know, it seemed like he sort of got his stuff together. He grew up, he got married, he's got a brood. Around here, we don't tend to think about this as much. Uh, it seems to me nationally, especially national media, this is still a number one, the headline. You know, I don't know if he wasn't even charged, was he, Rick or he certainly wasn't found yeah. guilty. You know, he was just yeah. investigated in this and look, that thing will follow you around forever. We're seeing it in our national politics now, right? I mean, this and if it was true, it's awful and he probably should have been gone. But that that seems to be the first narrative, and they try to put that on him in terms of his play and in terms of going forward and just the, the amount of vitriol and then Adam Schein going off again about The only reason Steelers didn't bring in Winston or draft a quarterback is because Ben Roethlisberger didn't want it, and he was frosty with Mason Rudolph when he come in. I'm sorry, if you think, you know, you're a national NFL writer. You know better than this. If you think the Steelers are letting a 38-year-old quarterback dictate anything they do in building their team and their front office operations, you don't know near as much as you think you know. It's very, very strange to
1: me. No, he's certainly going to have a lot of input if it came to, you know, they're going to cut wide receiver A or wide receiver B. He may say, you know, I kind of like the reads that wide receiver B gives a little bit better than A. You know, I I think I can work with him a little better. Okay, well, maybe they'll cut A instead, but as far as – you know, I don't want you to sign this guy because I don't want to have to be a mentor, or I don't like him. I think I agree with you. I think that's ridiculous. And getting back to Jameis Winston a little bit, you know, by the way, I do think that they did make a mistake if they did inquire about him. I don't know if they did or not. If they did inquire about him. And they could have picked him up for a million bucks. Shame on them! Oh, no,
0: absolutely.
1: Because yeah. that that would have been a steal. I mean, he's not going to be taking Ben Roethlisberger's place. It's just like we talked about with um, uh, with a previous conversation with Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. You know, he's not threatening to threatening to take the number one starting position away by any stretch of the imagination. But it was a nice. It would be nice to have the NFL's leading passer as a backup just as an insurance policy. Yeah, yeah,
0: that'd be a pretty decent insurance policy. And I, I still don't understand there's conflicting reports, you know, some national outlets or, you know, I, I talked on the show last week, there was stories out there that the Steelers not only offered Winston offered him more and he chose to go to new Orleans. Now, Kevin Colbert's categorically denying ever even speaking to him, let alone having a deal in place. And nobody can seem to agree on what's true I, I don't know, but it just really surprised. Look, I am no big fan of Ben Roethlisberger. If anybody, I'm a big fan of the team, but if anybody's been giving him a hard time, it's me and it's us on this show. You know, he we always talked about the compar- comparison to Roberto Clemente. You ask him how he's doing. Instead of saying good, It start breaking down every nick and scrape. And he is a drama queen. And he probably wasn't great with the media in the beginning, but I, it's just this narrative is crazy to me. They, the national media, can't get him out of town fast enough. He's horrible. Meanwhile, a 43-year-old quarterback, albeit probably the greatest quarterback of all time, at least arguably, now 43 years old, picks up leaves the only situation he's ever known. Heads down south, and he's going to be great again. Tampa's winning the Super Bowl. You know, this guy's Rothersberger's five years younger, and the Steelers are foolish because he's just done. I, it's, it's personal. It really is. It's it feels like it's more personal than actual reporting.
1: I agree, hundred percent. And it'll be interesting to to see how it plays off. And you know, we are in Western Pennsylvania, so obviously, I, I like to see the Steelers do well. But on another note, I would like to just see him just have a fantastic oh, year yeah. of about forty eight hundred to five thousand yards and thirty eight forty touchdowns and ten picks, and say, "Yeah, I'm not the same. I'm better." <laughs> yeah.
0: It would be fun to say. I wish I, I wish I had it like that. So, Rick, you, you watching <laughs> the Last Dance or not?
1: I ha- I've only watched the one episode, oh. and I haven't. I've got some recorded, but um, I just haven't sat down to watch them yet.
0: Here's the one thing I am happy. First of all, it's fantastically done. There's nothing else on, which probably makes it more more gooder. True. Makes it more gooder. I almost said that, Rick. It makes it better than it might have otherwise had been with nothing else going on. But I can't take my eyes off this thing. And my biggest takeaway six episodes in, anytime one of you Dumb millennials are going to start trying to argue to me that LeBron James is the greatest ever, that he is better than Michael Jordan. I'm going to slap you about the head and face. This is absurd. The the willingness of this guy to win, and we can probably agree that Charles Barkley is one of the what 25 best players to have ever played in the NBA. He, I'm sure he fits in there somewhere. He says in an interview back then when they beat when the bulls i believe it was the third title when the bulls beat the suns and charles barkley said that was the first time in my life i just realized there was somebody better than me at playing basketball you know he's averaging 40 points in finals this this guy is so dominant it is unbelievable and any of this lebron james stuff a great a player as he is and lebron james is going to end as a top five to ten player in the history of this league he is not at all on michael jordan's level
1: I agree. I, you know that, and it's it's kind of funny because it, just getting off the subject a little bit. I think it was Isaiah Thomas put out some list, the top five the toughest basketball players he ever played against, and he listed. I can't remember the exact order, but Michael was fourth. And they, you know, and of course the media guys, you know, why, well, you know. This is this is ludicrous. Why are you saying is Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player in the world? We know that, but I think what he was trying to put out, Isaiah Thomas was putting out against players he actually had to play against. You know right. what I'm saying? Like more one on one, say against Magic or Bird or whoever it was, and, and maybe not didn't have the full 48 minute confrontation right. with a Michael Jordan, but. You know, look, Michael Jordan, to me, is far and away the best basketball player that ever played. And you know how I feel about Wolf Chambers. Right, exactly. And all you millennials can scoff. No, he didn't play against six-foot <laughs> white guys either, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, this he is just so dominant. And we covered a little bit last week or whenever it was we were talking about when he – I think it was, what was it, his rookie year, he goes into the room, there's Coke on the left oh, and Reed on the right, and the women in the corner, and he just turned around and walked out. That's not what he was about. And, I mean, that is discipline. Now they're trying to make a big deal about the gambling. I remember when all that happened. It was just a, oops, a uh, big deal.
0: Yeah, it felt like nonsense yeah. back then, let alone and reflect,
1: it reflect. And it was.
0: And that was very interesting seeing that last night. they They covered that a lot. And I was really glad they got into – the whole Republican, Republicans buy sneakers, too, bit. And yeah. and I'll tell you what, it was fun to watch. I've been watching this with, with my daughter, 13 years old. Now, you know how little I pay attention to, Rick, and know about politics, so you can imagine how much my 13-year-old daughter then <laughs> is aware of anything going on in the world. And so they're talking in the show, Rick, when you get an opportunity to watch it. Apparently there was some Senate seat or governor, something in... North Carolina, and there was a black candidate running for, and I can't remember that you'd know the guy if I said him, whoever the senator was or whatever it was in North Carolina that seemed to be at least was painted in the documentary, and I assume it's true it was very racist
1: and very. I know who you're talking about. And I can't think of his name. He's a, a billion years old too. I think. Yeah well he's probably strong no it wasn't, wasn't strong, strong it was remember. one of those common yeah.
0: names, and there was a kind of a young upstart exciting black guy running against him and so they were trying to get as a North Carolina resident they were trying to get Michael Jordan to endorse him that's where this whole thing came from and Michael explained the whole Republicans wear sneakers too you know he basically said first of all that got way overblown it was a joke off the cuff comment he made to make say, he said to make Horace Grant laugh because he was sitting beside which I tended to believe Jordan's come off very sincere throughout this whole thing in these interviews but then of course they brought on all these different civil rights leaders journalists things like that that they're interviewing for this documentary still all 30 years later expressing disappointment that Michael Jordan didn't get involved and my daughter looks at me and says dad why do they care what a basketball player thinks about politics? <laughs> From the mouth of babes, right? You know, what a right. perfect question. That's what he was saying, and that was his response to it. He said, in reality, I was singular, singularly, I can't say that word, focused on basketball. I'm a basketball player. I'm trying to win a third championship. This wasn't something I, I wasn't going to take a stand on. It. I didn't know anything about this. In all these years, still getting crucified for saying that. But for somebody kind of innocent, Not knowing anything about the political world and the you know off the field sports world, my daughter she just nailed. She said, "Why would they care what some basketball player thinks about politics?"
1: Well, and that's the thing, Rick. You go, you fast forward to two thousand and twenty. Now all of a sudden, and you know, because most of the media is right there with it when some twenty five year old millionaire sports star voices something, especially if it goes along with their narrative. All of a sudden, this guy's some sort of a sage. True. It just knows what I should be thinking, or what you should be feeling, or what Joe Schmo should be buying at the store. And you know, to me it's it's ludicrous. Sports stars when I was a kid were peddling soda pop or chewing tobacco or <laughs> right. whatever the case may be. They didn't tell me what I should be doing with my life, other than you know, try hard, you know, that kind of thing, you know, to stay out of trouble, blah, 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 like anybody would. But now all of a sudden, everybody seems to be on this narrative. And now that there is a narrative, it doesn't matter what sport you're in or how old you are. This guy's brilliant. He knows exactly what you need to be doing.
0: And it's funny what we've become. And I think a lot of this has to do with social media too. How many times have you read I can remember seeing this when the, the Kaepernick situation was really at its apex. Anything going on even nationally, news-wise or politically or or anything to that level, how many times do you see some jack wagon on Twitter saying, Day 24 and fill in the sports star. LeBron James, Sidney Crosby, so-and-so, hasn't said anything about this awful thing. Why would he? What are you talking yeah. about? Even the political leaders, you know, I'll never understand, you know, this happened and it's been three days and Senator Bill Smith hasn't said a word. You know, we've got to get him out. What are you talking about?
1: I don't understand. Yeah, it. All of a sudden, this person is not allowed to work. You know, he needs to resign his position no matter what it is. Immediately, he should never work again. They should put his family in slave labor camps and he should be crucified. I, mean, I don't know what – I don't know why all of a sudden because you don't come out with tears streaming down your face over every little thing that offends somebody that you shouldn't be allowed to work for your living. It, it blows my mind. Everybody is so sad about everything. Well, and I, I, I kind of – I did it as a joke. I got it on Twitter just today. I saw a tweet from that um, – Oh, the ESPN girl, Jamal Jamel. Oh, Jamel Hill. I thought I yeah. had her blocked. Did you unblock her? <laughs> I couldn't take her stuff know. anymore. I, I didn't unblock any anyway. Something about it, they had a the Spanish word for black on a crayon. And she had this what is this racist racist blankety blank?
0: Over a crayon?
1: On a crayon. Because it had Well, Negro is Spanish for black. Right. Okay. It's the masculine form of black. And what is this racial blankety blank? So obviously these people, you know, we need to, what was it? Ban Crayola now and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) So I, just as a joke, because that's what I do. I said, this is not racist at all. If anything, it's sexist because um, Negro is masculine. (laughs) See, I don't
0: know any of that
1: and they got on and like i am just shaken by this i mean the people were actually responding oh wow you're right this this is ridiculous and i'm like holy moly this is a joke <laughs> you know and these people actually joke. thought it was serious you can't make
0: jokes but i don't know. It's a
1: spanish word for a color for crying out loud I don't get it. What, what, but if I, they didn't put Spanish on, then it would be – Xenophobic, isn't that the thing? Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I don't understand what people want.
0: I I, I just – what baffles my mind is I have never once, when something terrible happened, sat there and thought, boy, I wonder what Andre Dawson thinks about this. <laughs> you know, just to throw out a random yeah. sports day in the Cade Divide. It's just, the, the whole world's going nuts.
1: What would Ric Flair do?
0: Yeah, <laughs> he'd drink a bunch of <laughs> beers and yell "woo!" That's what Ric
1: Flair would do. I mean, come on, yeah. yeah, pick up a woman. I don't know, but uh, mm. hey, on a lighter note, I come across Jamarcus Russell's name.
0: Ooh, Last from the past.
1: Um, little little story put out by a Nick Poor. And, um, you know, it just starts off, you know, we all know that Jamarcus Russell was the number one overall pick by the Oakland Raiders back, get this, Rick, back in 2007. That was 13 years ago wow. already. Doesn't seem that long. No. But anyway, apparently Jamarcus really wasn't interested in um, – he just kind of thought he was going to be an excellent quarterback, and he didn't really have to try to be one. Bruce Krakowski. Um, was his backup at the time, claims he had to bribe Jamarcus Russell with cheeseburgers in order to get him to watch game tape. And, no cash, uh, straight
0: cheeseburgers, and, yeah, homie.
1: cheeseburgers. And uh, so putting aside the, the healthy impact of eating that many burgers, um, Russell's clear disinterest in watching tape helps add context to this next part of the story. Um lack of where was it? Oh yeah, former New York Giants linebacker David Deal recounted how coaches caught Russell what really wasn't watching game videos. So what they used to do to him is they would give him blank cassette tapes and send them home and tell him to watch the the <laughs> blitz packages and so forth. And he would come in and say, Yeah, I got them. And it was and, a blank t- yeah, they were, <laughs> they were blank tapes, and he claimed that he watched all the tapes, and, he, and he's got the blitz packages down, and et cetera, et cetera.
0: <laughs> Golly, wonder why it didn't work out. I, I have no idea. None so, at all.
1: So, Rick, you mentioned
0: before we went on the air, we got about four minutes left here. There's some news came out of the NCAA coming down on Louisville and Rick Petino. I was hoping you could fill me and maybe a few <laughs> listeners who had, hadn't had a chance to read it yet what's going on.
1: I'm not real sure of of all the allegations. Um, I guess they were notified, but it just seems really strange. I mean, you remember, of course, Denny Crum, and I'm using the air quotes, retired from Louisville as soon as Rick Pitino in 2001 became available. Right. Yeah. And they just couldn't get him retired soon enough. And there's a stretch of about five or six years that Louisville is 0 30 because they have forfeited all those games. Right. And now he left Louisville, what, five years ago?
0: Going on that pretty Something close. Like to like
1: that. Yeah. Th- these penalties can impact Iona now, who actually gambled and threw an olive branch of Rick Patino and hired him as their new coach in hopes of making Iona prominent at least uh, in their conference and and making some tournament bursts. But now it looks like these penalties are going to reach into his coaching career at Iona. And it's going to be interesting to see what comes down out of all this.
0: And you had to know it was coming. I think Iona was probably prepared for that. I don't know what sanctions, maybe a suspension for Patino. Is that what comes out of this? You can't. I wouldn't think you can't take scholarships from Iona. You can't give them a postseason ban. You could do that to Patino, but maybe I'm wrong. The, nothing the NCAA does surprises me, so who knows? <laughs> I,
1: I can't see – Iona did nothing wrong, so I can't see them losing right. scholarships, obviously. But, you know, he, he has left a trail of blood for years now. And, I mean, they were investigated at, at Kentucky. I don't know really if anything came, came of that um, – but then we had the escort sex scandal at Louisville. we And then the recruiting violations, the free airline of, tickets.
0: The Adidas thing. Yeah, all the of Adidas, that. Adidas,
1: exactly. And they, they forfeited conference titles, national championship, and season wins, and, and I think player awards as well, I believe, because they were deemed on an illegal team. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm – This guy is really suspect in my mind.
0: I'll tell you what, Rick, as a guy who is a huge fan – of a basketball team that was never any good, was just good enough to get knocked out of the tournament earlier than you thought they would for several years. And then it has been bad for a lot of years, being being a fan of the Pitt Panthers and a season ticket holder. I'll tell you this if they, no, I think Jeff Capel. if before Jeff Capel got hired, because I think Jeff Capel is turning this thing around. That's making an, some
1: making some nice signings yeah, right now. So that, Commitment, that, yeah. That's
0: another conversation for another day. But before they hired Jeff Capel, after this stallings thing, if you'd have told me, all right, Rick, here's what's going to happen. Rick Patina is coming in here. You're going to get five-star on top of five-star. You're going to make deep tournament runs. You're going to have a national championship. And then in seven years, it's all going away, and we're taking the banners down. I, I'll take it. I'll take it, because I'm not going to forget the memories of them going through and winning. I think that's what o- I- o- Iona's saying. Yeah, all right, we'll take it, so we'll bring it on.
1: Yeah. We're he Iona. For, he can sit for three games. What do we yeah. Even care? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> In our conference, you don't need that much good coaching to get out of the conference. We just need him to recruit and for the tournament.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I, I know. It, it's strange. But uh, yeah, I guess we got to get moving here. We only got less than a minute to go, so I'll let you close us
0: out. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Sorry for the short, short show. For those of you listening live, thanks for sticking with us. As uh, the gremlins in the system keep going, go ahead check out the full archive at Asylum Football on Twitter. As it's just sports one two three at Gmail, and of course twelve ounce sports at twelve oz sports on Twitter. Until next time, we'll see you.
1: Take care.